Be good. <laughs> Well, hello there, friends. Thanks for tuning in to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. It's your pal, Andrew, and my wife, Tiffany, and our little dog, Pele, are bringing this thing to you every week. And yes, there is a small dog involved in this podcast, and let me tell you, he plays an enormous role. All right, today's guest is Laura Austin. Laura is a friggin' incredible photographer. She's a very inspiring person, industrious, smart, charming, and uh, a blast to be around. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, but I'll give you the backstory. We met her through our friends Tao Ruspoli and Dr. Chris Ryan. She's friends with both of those guys and came over to Tao's house where we had been house-sitting for about a month um, for New Year's Eve. And uh, within about 10 minutes of talking to Laura, I wanted to have her on this podcast. Um, She is just a smart, funny lady who just seemed interesting to me. I had no idea that she's also kind of a big deal. (laughs) I didn't really learned that until much later into hanging out with her. Uh, she's not boastful. She's not overly proud. Uh, she doesn't feel the need to tell you every single awesome thing she's ever done, which are numerous and uh, impressive. She was uh, just like this unfolding, interesting person. Even after the podcast, I continued to learn tons and tons and tons more about her as the weekend unfolded, and I'm so happy to be able to share with you just this tiny sliver of what a cool lady she is. Um, anyhow, you got to go to her website, lauraaustinphoto.com. She's got an incredible book out called Solo. She's got wonderful videos up of a project she did with Airstream. Um, yeah, she's just she generates fantastic stuff, has done interesting things, and is cool about it. So check her out. Tell her what you think. Tell me what you think. mtp.dog is a great place to get in touch with us. There's a contact page. We've got all kinds of other content up there. And we also have an opportunity via a small clickable link where you can become a patron for as little as one buck a month. You can support our crazy journey and make sure that that little dog continues to get paid. Because if not, there's no telling. Actually, he may fire us. We don't know. He's just barely loyal. Anyhow, uh, we love you out there. I hope you're doing fun and interesting things. And I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did, because it was a blast. Okay, moving on. Take care. Until next time, here is Laura Austin. Okay. Let's get some levels here. Just uh, give me your ABCs or something. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Perfect. Do I know my ABCs? Hello. <laughs> Hello, I can't see my ABCs. I'm too dumb to sing it. I like that you immediately sang it. That tells it probably tells a lot about a person if you ask them to give you the ABCs mm-hmm. and they sing it. And they sing it. I'd just know it as a song. It is. A, and isn't it also like, um, or is it three? Which which one's another song? It's like, they're all the same song. Oh, like Twinkle, I, Twinkle, Little Star and the ABCs. Oh, yeah. The same they're tune. exactly the same. Yeah. I think that's like, if you sing your ABCs, at like one of those uh, like drunk te- DUI checkpoints or something like that. Like give me your ABCs backwards and you have to sing it backwards. That would be where I wouldn't be able to do yeah. that. 
that would be pretty badass. I couldn't do that sober. <laughs> that's that's how they get you. If you're like, man, I couldn't do that sober. Like, exactly. Get in the car, fucker. <laughs> you're busted. You're busted. <laughs> Laura Austin, where are you from? Um, I was originally from, well, I am originally from Colorado. I lived there till I was 13. Mm-hmm. And then um, at the age of 13, my mom decided she wanted to move for, to Vermont. So she just scooped me up and my stepdad and we moved to Vermont and I spent my high school years there. Very cool. Yeah. Were you in Bernie's district? Uh, I don't think, I don't know if Bernie was a politician when I was in high school. Um, no, I lived in a small town called Stowe. I grew up in a small mountain town, so. S-T-O-W? S-T-O-W-E. Oh, E. Yeah. They put the E on there so it doesn't just seem like you're putting shit in exactly. town. <laughs> like exactly. Stowe. So it's like somebody's last name or something. I assume Stowe. so. I don't know the etymology of That's Stowe. That's cool. Well, this interview's over. It's been great. <laughs> great. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Uh, so why why Vermont? Your mom just likes being cold? Uh, well, Colorado is cold, too. Yeah. Um, Vermont, her and my stepdad went on a, a vacation out there, and she just decided that they wanted to move to Vermont and get out of Colorado. Um, so my dad my dad still lived in Colorado, so I went back and forth between Colorado and Vermont yeah. um, throughout my teenage years. Do you identify with any of those states? or? Uh... Funny enough, I don't. I have a weird distaste for Colorado. <laughs> Not. I just would never want to live there again. It's a beautiful place. I was just there last week for the holidays. Um, it's a beautiful place. I just Vermont has a character and charm to it. It seems like, like whereas Colorado would be kind of new agey and airy fairy. Yeah. Vermont's like got a crotchety and seasoned yeah. sort of thing. There's, yeah. there's more history there and Colorado just is dirt and rocks to me mm. which is beautiful but the seasons in Vermont are insane. Like mm. I don't know if you spent um, a fall on the east coast. But I have. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. nice. It's, it's hard. quite nice. Yes. It's, it's hard de- to beat that. And it's a definite shift in gears as far as the season goes. It's mm. not it's unambiguous like okay it's fall right exactly and when i moved to la from vermont like i went through withdrawals of, of seasonal seasons. Yeah. yeah that's the thing so you live in la right now yeah on purpose yeah it, <laughs> it, it just kind of happened but yeah. yeah all right so let's i've gotten that out of the way. <laughs> well what, what did your folks do what did your mom do she... um both my parents i consider both my parents creatives in their own sort of way okay. um they both started their own businesses my dad uh is an interior woodworker so he oh, has an cool. interior woodworking company where he builds giant log homes in the mountains in colorado and then um my mom had her own outdoor apparel company um so she made she sewed all the stuff herself and made like um stuff for biking in the winter and first layer for skiing a lot of fleece yeah. garments so they That's both cool. were self-starters and turned their passion into a career which was very um i think influential for me yeah did yeah. you learn either of those crafts are you good at sewing or building or I, I i can dabble like i can use a sewing machine and i could nail a nail in a piece of wood <laughs> oh there you go <laughs> so you're uh, familiar enough with each one of them to be able to correct yeah. i could build a birdhouse okay <laughs> and sew a little curtain on the front exactly that sounds great exactly i wonder why there aren't curtains on birdhouses i don't i don't know you think they would freak them out they probably like they i don't think they'd we should run willingly go and test in. we should yeah I'm, I'm down okay no birds have come in here no yet. no that's true and there's a little, there's a little curtain yeah, yeah exactly all right so that says it <laughs> <laughs> So you moved, have you done like a lot of traveling before you moved to LA or how long have you been in LA? Um, I've been in LA, well I've I've been in California since 
2008. I moved from Vermont when I was 18 to California. Um, I went to college for just a semester for graphic design. Mm -hmm. And a semester into college, I, got, I was offered a job in California doing what I would have wanted to do once I graduated. Okay. Um, so left one semester into college and moved to California um, to work at this company, Quicksilver. Oh, yeah, the um, uh, surf mm -hmm. apparel thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I was a graphic designer there for two years, and then I can progress through my career. But Keep I, going. <laughs> okay. Um, but I was 18 working in a, a very, like, a small cubicle. All of my jobs would be handed to me in a manila folder. I could go an entire day without talking to a single person. It, it was a huge corporate company. Yeah. And I, I st stood back, and I'm like, I'm, I'm still a teenager, and I'm already working a desk job, and I, I just... It wasn't for me. I, I woke up and like that. Okay, I love graphic design, but I don't want to be stuck behind a computer. Um, so, growing up in the small mountain towns I grew up in, Colorado and Vermont, um, I, my life revolved around snowboarding. And there was a job opening at um, one of the big snowboard magazines called Snowboarder um, for an online editor. And um, so I applied for the job and I got it. And there I did a lot of writing and shooting photos um, and managing the website and stuff, but I got to travel around the world snowboarding, which was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did that till I was 22, and the world of snowboarding became a little bit too much of a niche. Like, uh, my focus shifted to photography, and in snowboarding, when you're shooting people, they're normally far off in the distance, covered in outerwear. You can barely see the human, and I was more interested in the personalities behind all the snowboard clothes um, and it, the magazine I worked for didn't really want to focus on that. It was more about the Sales. very yeah. manly. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I quit um, the magazine in 2002, and, sorry, 2012, and then moved up to LA. Okay. Um, just I just dropped everything and said, I'm going to be a photographer and I'll hope that it works out. And I've been doing that for the past seven years now wow. yeah and it's working it's working yeah it yeah I, i've i've turned it into a career but now i'm at an interesting transition point where i've done commercial photography for quite a while and i'm trying to figure out what is the next progression of that because i tend to not judging by my career paths yeah. um i tend to not be able to sit in one place for too long that's perfectly understandable you're talking to the right guy yeah I, I, <laughs> it sounds I, like i get it, it. i get it so the, your most recent project with the Airstream, mm. can you tell me about that? Yeah. So I, I went through something recently where I didn't know if I wanted to live in L.A. anymore, but I didn't know where I would want to go. So mm. I'm like, how, how can I devise a plan where I can just travel around the country for a while and see if any place grabs me? Um, and I've road tripping has been my thing for quite a while, but I that generally is out of my car and I go for maybe a week or two and I'm staying in motels or hotels along the way. Um, but to do a bit of a longer trip, I thought it would be really fun to have an Airstream. And so through the grapevine, I got some contacts there and um, emailed them. And little did I know, they actually have a program called Endless Caravan and where people, you have to fill out this really long questionnaire um, and kind of propose a project. Um, and my, my whole thing is, um, solo travel. And especially, I, th I think they gravitated towards that because a young female who wanted to travel alone and like the whole female empowerment thing happening, mm -hmm. um, they, they signed off on it and I received their, they came out with a new trailer called the nest. 
um, which is a small 16-foot fiberglass trailer that I could pull with. I have an Audi Q5, so a lightweight trailer that you can pull um, with a small SUV. Um, so I, I got the trailer for two months and traveled around the country um, by myself, um, did over 10,000 miles. On, I forget how many states I covered, but um, I got to completely plan my route. Um, and I'm, I gravitate towards nature. So most of my stops were based around national parks and yeah. then just kind of figuring out what I could see in between those. And do you, uh, I know you said just now that you'd focus on nature, but you also were saying earlier that you would get in those commercial shoots, like bummed out at just shooting jackets and you were more <laughs> interested in the person in the jacket In the jacket. Did you do any of that? Did you focus on some people? Did you meet some characters? Or? Yeah. Um, I went into the trip. Um, with a project in mind called I Am Human and um, that project was going to be based around just finding different people who fit under certain stereotypes so find someone who is a like I'm a veteran, I'm Republican, I'm Democrat, I'm black, I'm white and um, and asking them questions that have nothing to do like I wouldn't w want to ask a Republican what he thinks of Democrats I would want to ask him questions like what did you want to be as a kid? Right. Um, what are your hopes? What are your fears? What are your dreams? Um, I should write just... these down because I, 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 <laughs> I need to get better at this. Sounds like you're already. <laughs> no. um, but the, the attempt with that project was to humanize people and make people realize, like, at the root of it, we all want the same things. We want to be happy. We want to feel safe. And we want to feel like we have opportunity. I want to live. I want to give. Been a minor for a heart of gold. In this expression, I never give. It keeps me searching for heart of gold, and I'm getting old. It keeps me searching for heart. So I went into this trip with the hopes of doing that project, but the demands for Airstream were um, pretty intense. I had to write a blog post a week um, and shoot photos. And while you're traveling nonstop, because I had, I had a kind of a schedule I was following personally, it was hard for me to sit in one place long enough to, to whether I was filming these videos or editing them. So um, I only did a couple of those interviews along the way, but I, yeah. that's a project I want to continue. I I know all about that. Yeah. <laughs> we put out a weekly podcast. Yeah. <laughs> write a journal. But uh, uh, well, I'm doing it without the benefit of any sponsorship. <laughs> we had to build our own band. Yeah. Well, I think I did this all wrong. Uh, I, so think, I think if you build it, they will come. If, if you're putting out quality stuff, I think um, that, quality, that, authentic, genuine content, I think it will come to you. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> you're on your way. Yeah. So that was this summer? And you just wrapped it up when? Um, I started the trip in May, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and no, I started it in April and ended at the end of May. Um, cool. So two solid months by yeah. myself. And But along the way also, like um, Christopher Ryan, who I believe you've interviewed, mm -hmm. um, he, he gave me a lot of interesting people since he's traveled around and interviewed tons of interesting people he actually gave me a lot of people to um stop and visit along the way yeah. which uh, was great so enormous he changed the entire i mean t 
tone and texture and trajectory mm-hmm. of our of our journey in an enormous way. I mean, we're literally sitting in here because of Chris. Ryan. Exactly, exactly. So, but it, it's cheers. it's yeah. Cheers, Chris. Cheers to that guy. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but it was nice to have friends who like in New Orleans, for example. Um, one of my best friends in LA, her husband is from New Orleans, so she connected me. She's like, you have to meet up with this person. And through the grapevine, one of the guy in New Orleans. Sorry, this is kind of a windy story, but. The friend in New Orleans that she introduced me to, one of his best friends was a commercial um, alligator hunter. Oh, wow. And I didn't really care about like spending time on Bourbon Street or whatever. I, no, I yeah. really want to go in the bayous. Yeah. So just happenstance, they're like, you want to go catch an alligator? You want to go to the swamps? And I was like, yes. So we went, we drove into the swamps into like a area that I, I don't think many tourists would go to. Oh, and down there in May... In April and May, it's so it's like the perfect time oh, of year yeah. to be there. So green. Yeah. Um, but we drove into the swamps, shot guns for a little while, yeah. and then went out um, into the waters of the bayou and uh, and actually caught an alligator. And I held a maybe a four foot, no, not a four, like a three foot alligator. And those things are really strong, super strong. Yeah. <laughs> did you have to like hold its mouth shut, or did they? No, have I didn't even hold the mouth. I held it like behind its head and its tail. Just when to feel I, the weight of it? Yeah. Well, no, I held it for a picture. Oh, shit. And, and then he was like, when you throw it back in, pull your hands back as fast as you possibly can because they can whip around really quickly um, and grab your hand. Yeah. But that was, that was it was worth wow. it for the picture. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was very cool. Wow. And how did they capture it? What was? Uh, I don't think I'm at liberty to describe the whole process. Really? <laughs> no, it, they, they put something on the end of a fishing line. Mm-hmm. Um, chicken or some shit right it was like basically a rubber duck oh. and <laughs> <laughs> seriously and then would cast it out next to the alligator uh-huh. and um, then reel it in before they could like actually bite it yeah. they lure the alligator close to the okay. boat and then um, scoop it up with the net so a carrot is to a mule what a rubber duck is to a an, an alligator, alligator I guess wow. so man the shit that you learn yeah. out there in the world <laughs> exactly <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So um, we lived in New Orleans for about five years. Mm -hmm. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. But our experience with getting on the bayou, we did like one airboat tour. Okay. And then we just would ride our bikes around like places in the bayou and stuff. Amazing. And from New Orleans, you can on like a 25 minute bike ride suddenly be seeing alligators. Yeah. It's it's kind of slightly terrifying, but also amazing. Yeah. It's great. Um, the South was unexplored territory for me before this trip. I, I, one of the areas I was most excited to go through was the South. Um, Where all did you go? Um, my mom lives in South Carolina, so I, I had to pick up the trailer in Ohio. That's mm-hmm. where the Airstream headquarters yeah. is. And then I kind of beelined it down to South Carolina to see my mom. And then from there, um, I went through Alabama, mm-hmm. um, Louisiana. Um, and then from there... Louisiana borders Texas, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then from there into the very tip of Texas, went down to this amazing little town called Terlingua, right next to Big Bend National Park. Super cool. Um, Have you been there? Mm -hmm. Did Have you met uh, Jeff Leach? I didn't meet Jeff. No, no. Like down in, um, uh, we went to Marfa. Okay. Uh, We rode our bikes across Texas. Oh, amazing. uh, Which was so much cooler than it sounds because like people are like, oh my God, I was on I-10 for half my life and I hate it. But, but when if you're you take, biking. Yeah, if you take your time, it's amazing. Yeah, cool. we, uh, so we, we didn't go to Terlingua. We went to Marfa yep. and like that area around Big Ben. I definitely want to go back and go to Terlingua and it's, go 
it's a special park. little place. Like yeah. Marfa's cool. It, it's a little hoity-toity, but right. amazing. Like yeah. it's, I, I loved Marfa. I was like, I want to move here. But then I went to Terlingua. I'm like, no, I actually want to so live So Chris here. hooked you up with Jeff Leach. Yes. That's great. And that whole crew. And yeah. I spent more time than I was planning in that town because they just welcomed me in with open arms. Like, yeah. Backyard, or there isn't really yards in Terlingua, but yeah, um, right. barbecues yeah. and going into the park, and they just welcomed me with open arms. I wonder. So we met. Um, we met this woman. We just happened to see her at a, a laundromat and mm-hmm. noticed that she had t- Tennessee tags, and from the same county that I, li- I have a house in in yeah. Memphis. And so we started chatting her up, and she lived in uh, Terlingua for a while and no knew way. all the same people. Amy Bell, I think is her name. Um, I don't know if I met her. It's a really... D- a dog w- named Bandit. Are you one of those people who remember people's dogs? I feel like I met Bandit. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny yeah. that I know a Old name. dog that seems young. Yeah, I believe... There, I met a lot of people yeah, I'm sure, at, I'm one, sure. at once, but so um, it was a very interesting, small little ghost town that you, is completely unsuspecting, but um, just filled with these the most interesting yeah. people. Yeah, it's on my list of places to go back because we didn't make it to the park when we were oh, there. Okay. It, it was out of our way to go to Marfa. Yeah, like we, we were, you could have gone straight across or ducked down ninety miles. We took the duck down ninety miles. We should have gone even further, but you were on a, bikes. That's the thing on a bike, like. You can't just easily veer off. Yeah, like, oh, I'm like, just going to take a 50-mile detour. Yeah, and there was, you know, like, to get from Marfa back to the next town, there was a 90-mile stretch of nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, just, I mean, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> Such a weird thing to think about. Like, but you're just going to be on your bike for 90 miles, and, oh you know, you got your own water, you're fine, but, like... Yeah. That's, uh, that's, yeah. So next that's time intense. we'll, we'll drive down. Yeah. To, next to time Big you're Bend. driving through yeah. Texas, I highly recommend going down there. And yeah. there's definitely a lot of good podcast material. Yeah. It sounds <laughs> like it. My, uh, Tiffany's from, uh, from Austin. Okay. And she's spent a lot of time, you know, in various parts of Texas. But mm-hmm. it's, Texas is one of those places that you associate it with whatever. I mean, if you just say Texas, people are like, uh, toast, uh, rednecks, fucking <laughs> guns, you know, like they yeah. just, if you do one of those word association games, but when I, when people ask me about Texas, I think of um, the Seminole Canyon, mm-hmm. which has these ancient cave paintings. Yeah, and I think of like rolling hills and beautiful uh, streams running through places. I mean, it's well, it's such a big state. Yeah. You I mean, you can't stereotype any state really, but right. but well, you can because it's funny. Well, yeah, but, of, co- <laughs> of course, know. like people do it, but but Texas isn't just one thing. No. I I had that coming from Colorado. We always made fun of the Texans because sure. they were the kind of the kooks who came up to ski. <laughs> and there's a thing called the Texan tuck where people would stick their ski poles under their um, arms when they were going down like a, a flat area and have their butt up in the air, and it's just like <laughs> the most. It was a, like, oh, yep, that person's That's from, from Texas. Texas. <laughs> um, so I kind of had a bad taste, uh, or just kind of stereotyped Texas yeah. before I really explored it. But yeah. this this trip completely disproved all those. That's, you know, one of the valuable, most valuable things about travel for me is finding out just how wrong about shit I am. Exactly. And if you're willing to admit that, which sounds like you are. Oh, like, completely. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll openly admit, yes, going in, just the South in general, I kind of had this certain idea of, like, mm-hmm. it's going to be toothless people sitting on their porch drinking sweet tea. Yeah, um, which you can find. I'm sure, and I, I wish I went deeper in to find those, <laughs> like, deliverance-type areas. Right. Um, but everyone was just so incredibly friendly. Mm-hmm. Um Along the whole trip, because on this trip, I kind of, I stood out because I would pull up in front of a restaurant with a trailer behind my car and I was an 
young little blonde girl walking out and yeah. going in a to jumpsuit restaurant. did you wear the jumpsuit uh, there w- there was a jumpsuit quite yes. often god we I, i've not asked anybody to do a wardrobe change for a photo but i can't i really want a photo of you in that jumpsuit. i will happily put on the yes. jumpsuit for you yes um because it will make no sense right now me just talking about this, this yeah is, this, it's a podcast or a, a jumpsuit not made for podcasts <laughs> exactly it's made for the real the, the, gotta see it too. yes yeah. exactly um but so yeah you were standing out and people yeah were... i stood out and i'd go in particularly in um i went to biloxi because yeah. I, I had never had crawfish before um so i went to biloxi on my way to new orleans and i was like i, I need to stop and eat crawfish because apparently that's what you do there um and went into this restaurant and um i found or i asked around and what's like the most authentic like where do the locals go and found this restaurant and walked in and I think all the tables around me heard me ask the waitress how to eat these things. And then it, it perpetuated into like uh, everyone around me helping me oh and like giving me their tips. And yes. then it, that the conversation yes. revolved in, uh, evolved into, um, oh, is that your trailer outside? And then just I, they learned my life story and I learned their life story. And yeah. it's, that's the coolest thing for me when I travel alone is that I'm not distracted by someone else's company. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of forced to interact with the people I'm surrounded by. So it, cause I, I'm a bit of an introvert. So if I was with one person, I would probably just keep to my, to keep to like the person I know, but it, this intentionally forces me out of my comfort zone, yeah. um, which is cool. Um, I think when you have to overcome hardships, um, that's when you learn and and every time i go on a solo road trip i know i don't know what i'm gonna have to overcome but i know that it's gonna have to be something so it's like my intentional growth trip basically Um, that's fantastic yeah that there's a weird calculus in there so one is uh one person is vulnerable yet approachable right you know and uh two people or a group of people it gets weird right right but if you add in uh one dog or one child, suddenly two people are way more approachable. Right. It's a it's a strange thing that Tiff and I recently or have discovered on this trip, like because we have this dog with us that yeah. we did not intend on taking with us. Yeah. And uh, the dog has created all these opportunities that we are definitely more introverted. Yeah. And it would be difficult for me to always ask people to do this podcast. You know, right. But having the dog with us creates this other like oh. Look at these idiots and their dog. Well, let's talk to them. You know? Right, yeah. And dog, like people want to come up and pet the dog, and then that's right. just an icebreaker. They're suddenly in there, yeah. Yeah. I've had a lot of people say, like, because there's a lot of, uh, or a few people that I know who travel around alone, and they have their dog. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a marketing tool. Like, they shoot their dog. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and I've had, like, I've had a lot of people say, like, you should get a dog. I'm like, I, I travel too much that uh, doesn't involve a car t- for me to yeah. practically have a dog so in the in the solo travel for you um i want to get to that in a second okay. but uh i also want to f- kind of finish where all you went like you went in the south and went mm-hmm. through texas did went you go through, through went through texas um like i said did marfa Tolingua, austin and then from there i kind of i actually beelined it from texas to joshua tree oh nice um stopped here for a couple days Mm -hmm. um just because i figured tao would want to see the trailer and it was just like a nice uh for me joshua tree was a nice um transition from being alone i I was on the road for almost a month um up until that point and i was alone and i knew i was going to la and back into like city life so Mm -hmm. Joshua Tree was a nice kind of transition. Like, okay, this is something that's familiar, but I'm not yeah. fully in the city yet. It's a so I s- both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I spent a couple of days here, and then LA, and then up the entire 
went to Big Sur, actually met up with um, Chris Ryan. He, him and a friend met me with, with their van and we just had like a little powwow for ah, great. a minute, which was great. And Big Sur is great because um, the pullouts all along the coast, you're actually allowed to camp there mm-hmm. and stay there overnight, which is amazing. Big Sur is out of all my travels still one of the most special places i've ever been so beautiful um and then from there all the way up the california coast through the redwoods um oregon um crater 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 lake Lake. yeah Yeah. i love crater lake (laughs) crater lake was very cool um it was winter there was still a lot of snow up there Mm -hmm. when i went surprisingly um so i didn't get a hike around as much as i wanted to but i did trek up through the snow to just get a nice view of the lake so magical um so cool beautiful um and then from there spent a couple of days in portland mm-hmm. so some friends in portland and then went up into washington to this amazing waterfall which was completely off my radar i'm i'm blanking on the name of it off the top of my head right now um and then through idaho went to craters of the moon um which is a, it it's an area in idaho that's all like affected by volcanic activity so a lot of the rock there is black like there's this amazing it's called the volcano cone and it's this big giant mound of just flat black rock and as a photographer like i i love i love blank stark wide open landscapes so like this black cone that i i ended up shooting myself running up and stuff um was amazing then went to some natural hot springs from there and then went to south dakota what's the the national park in south dakota the crazy horse no. Or no there's the rushmore n- none of that is that north dakota i can't remember i now. can't, I can't uh, <laughs> dakotas why do they have to make two of them i know <laughs> i'm completely blank we went through south dakota to a national park there i'd blanking on the name at the moment and Badlands. then Badlands. Okay. Yes. That is that in south or north? I don't know. I don't know. Is, yeah, I can't well, keep track. My geography's for shit. I definitely would know. She'll fact check. She'll be like, come on. How do you not know right. this? People are screaming I'm into their headphones. I, I'm embarrassed. I couldn't even remember Badlands. Uh, um, and cool. then from there, had to drop off the trailer in Colorado. Cool. So. Yeah. Wow. That's an awesome little trip. It, yeah. It was. 10,000 plus miles in two months. Yeah. So since, since I wanted to bite off so much there was a lot of driving um a lot of days that i just have to drive straight for eight hours a day i mean i'm sure you can you can relate (laughs) i can relate yeah there's some days that are just chock full of all kinds of fun Mm -hmm. weird little experiences and some days you're just driving right that's all right yeah but with with your trip do you do you kind of have a a date you need to be in you're going to argentina right yeah, I mean we're we're stopping for three months at this point to work, okay. you know, right. just to like refill the coffers after, you know. Um, it's not fair to call it tragedies or or even disasters, and just shit happened, and we just yeah, got yeah. you know it's no big deal. We just got to make a little bit of money and turn and do it again. But then I think, from my perspective, that provides you with these beautiful experiences, like yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we have no. It's all even going back to work is as much a part of the journey as like showing up in you know Oaxaca or something. You exactly, know, it's all part of exactly. I, to me, the moment you say I'm taking that journey, yeah, you're on that journey completely. Like, it doesn't matter if you're at McDonald's. And you're working a shift. Mm-hmm. If halfway through waiting on the fries to come out, you're like, you know what? I'm going to do this. Yeah. You're on that journey exactly. to do that. You know? Exactly. And that's, it's so liberating. And it's why I think we're, and you seem like the kind of person mm-hmm. who's like always on some sort of journey. Yeah. 
completely. It, it, I don't you know. just kind of have to surrender to the experience and, and have trust in it and just go along for the ride, really. And never be bored. Yes, exactly, exactly. Only boring people are bored. <laughs> sounds like i mean so we've talked to a couple of people who travel solo mm-hmm. in their in their trailers cool. our friend uh amy bell okay with bandit uh yep. is in a little tab trailer Rad. riding around and with the subaru and that and that's it you know just yeah and like she said the same sort of th- thing that you said yesterday like it's like i just have a little luxury hotel room behind my, behind car, my yeah. car which, which is great yeah um, the funny thing I learned from this trip, I, I, I said in the beginning what was kind of the catalyst for this trip was that I wanted to discover where I wanted to live. Yeah. And the funny thing was that I actually realized that I enjoy the nomadic lifestyle more than I want to be in one place. So I yeah. kind of became really interested in trying to make that work. I'm still trying to talk Airstream into giving me a trailer. So. Well, you're, you're always home. Exactly. Even though you're never anywhere in particular, you're right. always home. Yep. Which is a great feeling. And it's a... I don't know. It sounds like you've been moving in your life anyway. That that feeling of once you leave your family's home, mm-hmm. you're looking for one. Yep. And you know, Tiff and I have been on this perennial search for an address that I think at this point is our address. Right. The searching for an address <laughs> exactly. is where we live. You know. It's 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 the journey. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. The nice thing uh, that I realized with the trailer, or say if you're traveling with a van. It, is that sense of familiarity you have your little cocoon that yeah. that is home and as opposed to when i used to do or when previous solo road trips um i was bouncing from hotel to hotel and then you'd get over it quicker like yeah. okay i need i need a sense of fam- familiarity so that's the nice thing about a trailer or mm-hmm. a van is that you you're home wherever no you're matter home. where you are yeah have you did you experience any kind of like creepy shit or weird things or scary stuff that freaked you out people always ask me that i i guess I, I don't know why on all of my solo road trips I've never had any like creepy guy following me right. or whatever um, or just got a bad sense I guess maybe intuitively I know what situations to avoid mm-hmm. uh, ahead of time um, but even I think the scariest situations for me personally with um, the trailer trip is just if I was camping off the grid where there's no one else around mm-hmm. say like someone pulled up in the middle of the night and saw this car and trailer in the middle of the woods and decided to try and see who's inside. Right, right, right. Um, those were the only situations where I kind of psyched myself out. But besides that, um, knock on wood, right. I haven't come across a situation where I felt uncomfortable because you, you are vulnerable as a young female traveling through places. And especially, 
I've considered if, if someone notices like, oh, that girl's traveling alone, I'm mm-hmm. going to follow her and see where she stops type of thing. But I, I've had other, other female friends of mine have had bad experiences, yeah. but um, for some reason, I guess it's just, I don't have that, well, I don't attract that sort of activity. <laughs> well, I mean, the, so we get those types questions in that vein not necessarily like have you had creepy people mm-hmm. following you around because my wife kind of has a creepy person driving her around <laughs> oh, please but the the you're as vulnerable to that if not more so at home right you know and like in a city like la of millions of people completely just going home by yourself you're still a solo female right. traveler exactly you know what i mean <laughs> unless you're not solo you're kind of always a solo female Ex- traveler so. ex- yes exactly and i with with what I'm doing, I'm, uh, the hope is to encourage other females that because there is such a stigma against females traveling alone, sure. whether it's a road trip or flying somewhere. Um, so the hope is to encourage other people. Like it's not as dangerous as people might think, but you, mm. at the end of the day, you need to have a good head on your shoulders. Right. You need to right. you need to be able to I don't know do your own thing and yeah, make a good decision. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's not, that's the thing with us. We get that same sort of, is everything, aren't you worried about this in Mexico yeah. or this and that, which, yeah, of course. I mean, right. Uh, but I'm also worried about, you know, a, a texting driver. Right. Oh, like completely. we've, we've nearly been killed on the road, uh, just here, you know, really? just, just, Oh God. Yeah. People flying over oh, hills yeah. and, you know, I mean, there's <laughs> our dog almost died. You know I mean? Like there's been all these little things yeah. that like, you're never really totally safe from any sort of danger in the um to think that you are that you aren't in any any case is right. misguided you know right. you just gotta yeah I'm, try to do your best make yeah. your best decision and you know. i'm more scared of being stagnant and not being happy than than what might uh, what i might come across while right. i'm on these trips totally. i mean that, that's that's the biggest fear for me is is not living a life that feels fulfilling to me. Yeah, not even dying in that cub- cubicle, living in that cubicle, yeah. you know, and then just like, someday crapping out. Right, you know, exactly, like, yeah. exactly. But it, it, yeah, for takes, sure. it takes a certain type of person. It's not for everyone. Like sometimes right. I'm sometimes I'm envious of the people who are still living in the same town I grew up in and have a family and they're happy doing right. that. And I'd have no judgment. I pass no judgment like, oh, you're living a boring life. I'm like, oh, you just accept and appreciate this simple life and yeah. sometimes i'm jealous of that totally like i wish totally. i was cool with that sometimes but no no I, like i'll get in someone's car they have like a nice car you know like oh mm-hmm. man this is a fucking nice car like driving this thing i drove somebody's bmw the other day yeah. I'm like wow and they have a house and a bmw yeah it's like well those seem nice yeah. you know it seems cool but it's it's nice to like appreciate those yeah. and then it's like, for me, it's like kids, Yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I love to like pet them and talk to them and hear about their stories and, you know, right. share food with them and then to watch them go, like, you know, like yeah, go exactly. back with your mom. Yeah. Like borrow a kid for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. But I, I don't know that I would want one, you know, right. I, well, I know for certain I don't want a child. I would mm-hmm. rather have a BMW than a child, I guess. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> one requires a little less responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. One's yeah. way less expensive. But uh, Yes. It's very Anyhow, true, actually. So yeah, the the danger thing, the travel thing. It's I mean, it can be scary, but it's not to encourage people to do it. It's good that there are people in cubicles, I guess, doing the jobs that need to be done. Someone needs to do it. It's it's good, and it, that there are personalities who are fine with it. Yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah, and, and I, I'm I'm trying to become increasingly aware of like not 
even just sounding judgmental because I, I don't intend to judge anybody because I don't right. know what the fuck I'm doing. I, yeah. Who am I to judge anybody for anything? <laughs> exactly. But like, I don't want to make it sound like I decry someone's choice to be like, to, to stay where they are and do what they like. I and mean, that's, that's fantastic. Exactly. I'll come visit them. Yeah. I'll come see you and I'll, yeah. I'll learn from you something. So I'm glad they're there. I'm glad they're doing it. But for me, I would rather die. Yeah, well, going along with that, like, I'm not strictly an advocate for you need to go out and travel and live this nomadic, spontaneous lifestyle. I'm an advocate for finding what makes you happy and doing that. And if if that means sitting in a cubicle and you're supporting your family and you're comfortable, Mm -hmm. awesome. Cool. Do that. For sure. Great. Well, talk talk to me a little bit about photography. What um, what are you shooting? Are you doing digital? Do you have film? Do you do black and whites? Um, I haven't seen any of it. I know. Well, no. (laughs) Let me take that back. I have seen your Bombay Beach book. In Bombay Beach at Tao's place. That is not representative of my. I mean, um, that that was a very cool project. Um, I can go into that later if you want. But um, I shoot mostly digital. Um, I kind of. All of my career choices have been guided by something I was passionate about, which didn't end up being the career. So to explain that is like, um, I want to be a graphic designer because my world revolved around snowboarding and um, I knew I wouldn't make money as a female professional snowboarder and also didn't want to sacrifice my body for career and yeah, just didn't want to go down that path. So I chose graphic design to be be involved in snowboarding still and be able to live that lifestyle um and photography kind of over the years travel became my main passion and i recognized that oh if i'm a photographer that could be an opportunity to travel so um now my camera has just become my ticket to experience the world um and i'm not i'm not a crazy photo nerd like I, i don't get crazy technical i don't use flashes like i shoot mainly like natural light um, outdoors um, and it's just been my ticket to, to experience um, new places and people mm-hmm. um, so I've just it's yeah it's my tool to live the lifestyle I want to live really yeah for me like I, I, I've done I've had a lot of jobs and one of them was photography oh, really? I did um, portraiture uh, like weddings mm-hmm. uh, and I would go around in high school I was the um, I was the the like showing up at fraternity and sorority parties and taking you know the candid camera sort of candid shots of oh, people yeah. and then uh i did uh like cheerleading camps and and <laughs> as like a 16 year old dude i would hop in my car on the weekend yeah. and drive to new orleans you gotta shoot or, a bunch of cheerleaders though as a 16 year old kid that yeah, must have no. been the best thing ever well for me i was way more into their moms <laughs> like, <laughs> wow, okay. yeah but whatever that's a whole, yeah, a whole other, other story, story that we don't have to go into but okay. like um i would drive from Memphis, you know, mm-hmm. from Mississippi to like Atlanta or to New Orleans or to Dallas because I couldn't, I wasn't old enough to rent a car. Right. I was like, you know, just, and if I flew somewhere, I, it was like a little weird. Yeah. But that was my job from like 17, 16 or 17 to like. How cool. And, and, but so then I thought of myself, I fancied myself as some sort of <laughs> photographer and there was no digital at the time. It was really expensive. It was too, so like film was you know, buying film all the time and getting mm-hmm. developed. And I wasn't very good. Like, no? I feel like I'm a creative person, but I'm not, I'm not a photographer. Okay. You know? So now when I, when I, with traveling, like Tiffany takes most of the pictures, mm-hmm. I, I like to take them occasionally, but yeah. to me, I get distracted in the f- photographing instead of just actually experiencing where I am. So how do you, how do you work that? Like you're there to take photos, but like, 
there's right. also like you want to be there you want to take that hike you want to walk yeah, around yeah it's it's kind of a catch-22 in some situations if i'm shooting people i guess um the camera can be a distraction as much as it can be a uh, a tool to allow you to experience new things so right. like um if i'm traveling and i'm stuck behind a camera sometimes you need to realize that you need to put it down and really appreciate your surroundings but because of photography it's allowed me it's forced me to see the world in a completely different way and appreciate it in a way that i wouldn't yeah. have otherwise so for me photography has it, it's been a catalyst um to be present and really take in my surroundings and also i as a shy kid growing up i would i started doing the event stuff too um yeah. like shooting photos at parties and yeah. it was it was a, it it was kind of my safety blanket mm -hmm. at the camera um i could interact with people that i wouldn't normally interact with if i didn't have it so Absolutely. it was an incredible icebreaker and and it that's that's been the case through my entire career because i a lot of my work that I get paid to do is very commercial. So, like, mm -hmm. I, I worked for Nike for... I did a bunch of shoots for Nike. Like, got to go to Scotland and shoot Tiger Woods. Wow. <laughs> um, and so those commercial jobs, I'm, I'm nervous going into every one of them. Mm -hmm. um, but it puts me in a situation where it doesn't have to be necessarily photography, but you, you learn and you, you grow, um, yeah. especially as a, sh a shy person. I get put in these situations where I have to be leading the charge and telling Tiger Woods what to do type of thing. Um, what a sweet treat for Tiger Woods to be guided by you. You know what I mean? Like, cause he's, I can only imagine what that dude's world is like. Oh, I'm sure. You know? But just to have like a genuine lady come in who's like, Hey, I, I really love photography yeah. and I work for Nike yeah. and you're, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're a huge. I'm sure he's used. To, uh, photography is a male dominated industry. I'm sure yeah. he's, especially, I did shoot sports for quite a while, and it was an interesting balance um, shooting these kind of burly male athletes yeah. and try and coming from my position to to have authority in that situation and yeah. get them to trust me and to know that I'm going to make them look good. Um, yeah, was is an interesting, interesting kind of power dynamic. For sure. I mean, yeah. I, I noticed yesterday. I don't know if it. I don't think it's just the jumpsuit that made me feel like you're a sporty type of person because you jump around a lot and you tend to run between destinations, which I think is great. But like uh, now I can see like I'm just trying to picture that that dynamic of you showing up mm -hmm. at like a sort of male dominated sort of yeah. thing. You definitely project like a confidence or not. I don't know if projecting confidence sounds like you've taken some sort of Tony Robbins course or something, <laughs> but you just seem like naturally at ease. I'm comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. Um, and uh, as far as sports goes, I grew up as a complete jock. Um, yeah. <laughs> I played every sport every season. So in that, if, if I went into those situations where I had to shoot sports and knew absolutely nothing about what it is that, that the athlete has to do, then, then I'd probably be a little bit more... Sheepish. timid yeah. um but it, yeah. when i can speak to these athletes like oh can you stretch your calf this way or can you swing the bat like i i know what's involved and i'm not just like some outsider right um, you're you know. not having them in some weird pose that they right. would never that, be in exactly ever. exactly yeah. exactly that's cool wow yeah so you're you're doing a mix of nature photography people <laughs> commercial stuff I, I do i do a little bit of everything like i've shot fashion i shoot sports my personal work is more travel oriented mm -hmm. um just kind of all across the board and yeah. it it's a tough line to walk because um some people say you need to have a focus and 
get good at one thing but for me I, I don't I would never say no to a shoot because even if it's kind of a subject matter that I might not be that interesting interested in I think that um, provides even a more of a creative challenge to find a way to take this thing that you don't really care about say yeah. you're shooting cookies right. and you find a way to still create photos that you're proud of and you're happy with those are the situations that yeah push you a little more that's a healthy attitude that I think draws across what we were just talking about like the nomadic thing and the person who's stayed and true and doing their thing mm-hmm. like to be able to find the through line of things that like aren't just like a, a phrase I say all the time it can't just be tits and champagne all the time <laughs> you know what I mean? there's sometimes when you're it's drudgery or it's some thing you don't want to do yeah but that you take that line of like okay well I'll just find something in this exactly that I like right you know that's that's something everybody can do whether you're in you know in your weird van with your weird dog or you're sitting in the yeah which it's also a fine line to walk because if you have that attitude and you're stuck doing something you actually don't want to do and try and find that that glimmer of hope in it and you stay in that situation i don't know it's just a it's a fine line to walk and now i'm at this point with my photography career that i've been doing commercial work for the past six years and that's the longest i've held any kind of single profession um now i'm kind of getting bored and i'm there's less of that that um oh i'll find the the good thing to do in this now i'm like okay what i kind of feel like i've done this what can i do next to kind of challenge myself well there's a difference between like a cudgel and a a rut you know what i mean yeah using that that like i'll find the best of this situation as like a thing to spring off of is one thing right but using it as like a like a numbing agent mm-hmm. <laughs> whole, whole different whole different yeah, thing yeah, yeah yeah so tell me about the bombay thing what, what was that bombay um thing? so you did you have you interviewed tao mm-hmm. yeah okay so tao um he has he has this thing out in the desert um bombay beach biennale where um it's a small kind of rundown desert town right on the edge of salt and sea it feels post-apocalyptic i mean you've been there you <laughs> You know the the mm-hmm. scene there, um, but he throws this kind of art gathering every year, um, and they they kind of take they find the beauty beauty in the ruins and and put art installations in a lot of the the um, lots out there. But he had this idea to kind of glorify the destruction there, and he asked me if I'd come to Bombay Beach for two weeks and shoot um, the properties throughout the the town in a way that it's like shooting them as if it was like a house and dwell kind of thing, like m- making it very clean and perfect. But when you look at it, there's like graffiti and just it and run down yeah. houses. Um, so I, I spent two weeks walking down every street from sun sunrise to sunset, just like stopping, looking at each property. It completely retrained my eye because I, I don't normally shoot much architectural stuff. Um, so... I would notice things that I would never notice before, whether it was the shadows or the li- the lines in a house or the angles. Or um, it was a very interesting creative exercise because, again, that that's something I wouldn't normally be compelled compelled to shoot on my own. Um, yeah. And after doing that project, I went back to LA and and completely saw LA in a different way. Um, yeah. I would notice all these things that I wouldn't have noticed before, whether it was the color of a side like siding on a house or shadows or it, it was very interesting i've kind of lost that now but i think subconsciously it's still still there still there yeah. do you wonder like I, I look at stuff like that and wonder because I've, I've built things and, and mostly repaired things and mm-hmm. you wonder what was intentional 
and what you know like they just pick that color because i like that color or i right. pick this beam like especially when uh light and time of day and time season of year interact mm-hmm. with a physical structure oh yeah i'm always wondering like what like when was this built? Was right. it the time of year? Was it built in the spring mm-hmm. when the sun is about this angle? And like, is that why they wanted it so that sunset would do this weird shadow? You know that Ex- exactly. Did you um, find any of that sort of stuff in Bombay? In Bombay, I don't know if the stuff out there is that considered. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like beautiful chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think once you stare at something long enough, you find you begin to see the beauty in it, um, and that definitely happened on on that trip. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was very. It was a cool, creative experience for me. Can imagine. Yeah. Can imagine. So, what are you working on right now? Are you on break? <laughs> um, I'm in this. As I mentioned, I'm kind of in this weird transition where I don't exactly know what my next step is. It's funny. My whole I can attribute every step of my career um, to someone I was trying to impress or make happy, Mm. Um, which I I ended up loving the things that I was doing, but I could tell you that I originally got interested in graphic design from the get-go because I was dating someone who was a graphic designer or or snowboarding. I was dating a professional snowboarder. Like There was a very interesting underlying thing of I was trying to impress or make certain people proud. And as I've, I'm 28 now, um, which isn't, I'm not a wise person by any means. <laughs> I still have a lot of learning to do. But as I've gotten older, um, I've kind of put down that that thought that I need to make other people happy besides myself. Um, and so now for the first time in my life that I'm not trying to um, impress anyone else, it, the hardest question for me to answer is like, okay, Laura, what do you want? So that's the yeah. that's the kind of transition I'm currently stuck in, like sitting and trying to figure out exactly what that is. Like it will involve photography in some way, but I'm just trying to figure out what that next um, iteration of my career is going to be. Now that I've yeah. I'm trying to figure out what I really want. That is such a heavy question. <laughs> it sounds real simple. What do you want? Like because it's asked so casually. Yeah. What do you want for breakfast? Like I don't know, fucking eggs or something. <laughs> right. But it is like, what do you want? I mean, you've got just so much time i don't know yeah. if, if you've experienced a lot of death and family and that sort of thing or not a ton know. i've been fortunate not a ton like my my grandmother died recently but besides mm. that uh, i haven't experienced a lot of death around me well just even like if you don't mind i don't know if it's too close or too no, soon to like to consider your grandmother right like to look back on her life and yeah. what she went through right. when she was a little girl yeah she was a woman right. you know in her 20s and then 30s and, and like uh, her currency really when you take it all back was just time mm-hmm. that's the one thing she could trade in right you know and if you were to be able to like converse with your grandmother right now on mm-hmm. the other side of this you're like okay grandma lay it on me don't tell me what's on the other side it's cool but like <laughs> yeah. with time am i doing okay on time you know and that that question comes up of like well what do you want you right know? that is a it's an enormous question it's an a enormous ver- question <sighs> when you sit down um trying to make other people happy or kind of forget about I've kind of forgot a, money isn't really a part of my equation. It sh- it should be more of a part of my equation. Um but I'm not I'm not thinking about okay, what's going to make me the most money? Like I don't I don't have a family I need to support. I'm I'm pretty financially stable, so I have this time to kind of figure out okay, what what's the next thing I want to do and uh, honestly, it's the hardest question I've ever had to try and answer when you take 
um, away those kind of stipulations that yeah. people normally base their career off of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like the, people have asked, like, okay, if you if money were just not an issue right. and you just had all the money you wanted, what would you do with your time? Like, well, that's, you know, I mean, just <laughs> driving around in a big Cadillac with bullhorns on the front and yeah. like, pistols that shoot yogurt. You know, that's that's ridiculous. Right. That's what I would do. I would be an absurd <laughs> person. Pistols that shoot yogurt. I don't know. I would be an absurd person. Stay away from me. I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> that's actually like a deadly thing so coming dangerous. out of there. <laughs> but like that. I don't know. What I'm saying is like the absurdity of not having to worry about money. Yeah. Uh, for me, mm-hmm. is it's an I don't know an unfair way to think about it. But as far as like how I spend my time, um, I just refuse to do anything that for a long period of time that I just don't want to do. Right. Like I've had many many jobs, and I've had only a few for very very brief periods of time mm-hmm. that I didn't want to do. And at some point, I just didn't want to do every job that I've ever done. (laughs) Exactly. And then I no longer did it, and I did something else. Right. And so, insofar as like knowing what I want, I don't know that I'll necessarily ever have that answered fully. But I'm perfectly willing to spend my time trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a worthwhile thing, like spending time trying to figure out what it is that you want. Yeah. Yeah. As with road trip, it's all part of the journey. So I'm I'm kind of taking a more submissive stance and just kind of sitting back not sitting back too much because then you just really won't do anything but but i'm trying to i want to be struck over the head like this is what you do which which that isn't necessarily what happens but i'm willing to like sit back and kind of let it naturally evolve into whatever it should be i guess well I'm, i'm for that i think i mean you just seem like the kind of person to me in the uh less than 24 hours that i've known you that like you're uh you don't seem afraid of mm. shit yeah. that um i mean you probably are like afraid of things like everybody else but you're not afraid to try stuff right. and like looking so, like we played music together last mm-hmm. night which was so much fun <laughs> it was like the most i felt like uh it felt like playing yeah it was oh, play we totally playing. it was totally play yeah. like we we're kids or something with toys you know right. and that uh that sort of like un inhibited inhibited but like you're not judging yourself right oh yeah you know you can't roll around in a a mustardish colored jumpsuit horribly singing songs and judging yourself you know like that's so you're set up to be uh you're like a a science experiment out there having you know yeah yeah (laughs) well one of the mottos i kind of live by is that fear kills more dreams than failure ever will Hmm. so if if you if you try something and fail, um, you'll learn more, gain more out of it than you, if you just sit back and, and wonder what if, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm probably fearless to a fault, but so far it's it's worked out in my favor. I've, I've never been I think a lot to do with my parents and seeing them be able to turn whatever they were passionate about into a career. I've never been afraid to jump off that cliff um, yeah. and... And think that the wind isn't going to catch me. So far, it has. But but also with that mentality, I think you can't have one foot in the door and one foot out. You can't be working one career and like secretly want to do something else and kind of dabble in it totally. until you fully commit yourself to that thing. It's not going to work out. I would highly consider. It. I've never plugged our show on the show, mm-hmm. but there's a guest of ours that I'd really like you to listen to. A guy named Ricardo Serpa. Okay. Who uh, is a delightful beautiful voice he's this guy from brazil yeah. lives in miami he's a wonderful photographer okay cool and he 
tells he's got an analogy for that it's so perfect with mm. like a person on a dock yeah. and a boat okay and like you know having one foot on the boat one foot on the dock you know you're not gonna that, go anywhere, yeah. yeah it's like you're you're in neither world right. you know exactly. and if you think you're gonna jump onto the boat before it leaves you're not gonna make it right. so you're either on that boat or you're not Anyhow, exactly he puts it much more eloquently than i do and his voice <laughs> is awesome so it's worth listening to but uh i think it's even more germane that he did photography photography was his leap mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and and Same. It, yeah so yeah but but it's still like with everything it's a catch-22 because i don't i don't want to just say like drop everything and pursue whatever it is you're passionate about like i really like knitting so i'm gonna make a career out of i don't it's just a a a weird line to walk um Mm. because it's it might not work out for everyone you need you need to be self-aware enough to realize like oh i'm I'm decent at this and yeah. it could work. You can't just blindly no. hop off that cliff. You need to have some <laughs> foresight a little bit. When I was 18, I moved out of, I moved out of my house at the moment I graduated from high school. Like, mm-hmm. okay, love yeah. you guys, but I gotta go. Yeah. And uh, one of the first things I did when I had my own refrigerator, I populated it with things that I thought I did not like. Cause I was just curious, like, do I really not like olives? What wow. do I, you know, cause I just, I'd grown up thinking, well, I don't really like those. I don't like those. Like, I can put anything I want in here. I could just fill it with cookies yeah. or I could fill it with shit that I like, I think I don't like. So I tried all the olives. I tried, uh, artichoke, things that I just, yeah. and I found that there's nothing that I don't like cause I'm hungry all the time and I'll just eat anything. <laughs> and it, it's sort of, I, I've used that as like a, a benchmark in yeah. my life to where like, to, you don't know what you don't like right. if you haven't tried it. And to try it isn't like to lick the olive and put it back in the jar. You got to yeah. eat the olive, man. You got to try right. the stuff and see, you know, how you feel about those sorts of things yeah. and like chew it and think about it. And, right. Um, it works that way with jobs. Completely. It works that way with adventures. Mm-hmm. It works that way with people you've met and dated right. and friends, all of it. Right. You just got to try. You yeah. Know? Cause you could jump off that cliff and it might not work out, but then you can go back to whatever it is that is safe or move on to the next thing. You, you, that's very, yeah. It's not like yeah. eating the olive that you don't like. That's going to be the last yeah, thing. That's, it's you're going to die. You're only going to eat olives from <laughs> yes, now on. Exactly. You, know, it's not like, you just, you try it. You, right. it you, it's not like I've, I've invested in an olive grow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't put all my life savings into you know uh, things I didn't like, I just was willing to invest a tiny amount into seeing if whether or not it would work. You know? Right, but it's also difficult. I mean, it sounds like we're both fortunate in the situations that we were in to have the ability to try things. Some pe- some people no, can't yeah. can't take that For risk because sure. they have a family and they live paycheck to paycheck and they don't have that bubble absolutely to to kind of fall back on no i'm i'm proudly vasectomized yeah yep. <laughs> planned parenthood gave it to me for free which is a little weird i was perfectly willing to pay and i never got really? a bill i was like what the fuck is well, it did i strange. do you guys know something about me that huh? i don't know like it's like oh finally you're here we've been waiting you know like, crazy anyway sorry wow. but yeah no the the whole opportunity whether or not you can try this sort of stuff mm-hmm. absolutely like if you've you know, if you got responsibilities, you got to take care of that yep. for sure. Yeah. Um, and Tiffany and I are lucky in that, or I don't know if lucky, we've just accidentally made the right choices right. Yeah. for us. You know, uh, that, that's you know. how I feel too. Yeah. 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 Happy accidents. Happy accidents. Indeed. Exactly. I, um, I want to say this without sounding creepy. I can't wait to take your picture in that jumpsuit. <laughs> well, I'll happily throw it on. Awesome. It here. Well, thank you so much for sitting with us, man. Thank That's you. Great... That, it was awesome. I mean, we're sitting in a boat in the desert and we're having a lovely conversation, yeah. so I can't complain. Indeed. <laughs> cheers. Cool. Cheers.
Tiffany here, saying thank you for listening to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you haven't already, or it's been a while, check out our website, mtp.dog. There's plenty of information there. An about tab with a little bio on Andrew, myself, and our dog Pele. There's also a van build tab detailing how we did our van conversion. A journal tab and we, as an Andrew, are doing our best to keep that up to date. And last but not least, a contact tab where you can leave your thoughts, suggestions, or questions. You can also contact us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram, Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you would like to donate and or subscribe to the cause, you can go to Patreon and GoFundMe at Monkey Tooth Podcast. Patreon is not just a place to subscribe. We post lots of content there as well. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Love to all. <laughs>